There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good day to you and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Brian Dilks and I'm joined by the wasp to my bee. It's Justin Peach. <laughs> Good afternoon. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Just just on the subject of bees, um, mm. why are they so big this year? I, I've noticed this as well. Bees are massive. We've got like a bee's nest outside our house. Well, that's not good. And that's not good. It's all right. Bees are fine. Bees are nice, tolerable creatures and they are gigantic the wasp, the, the, the reason I put wasp to my bees, because when I was making my notes for the show earlier, there was a wasp that invaded my room and would not leave for a good 20 minutes or so. So there was 20 minutes where there was panic and I couldn't get this wasp to leave me alone. And I tried to continue doing my notes, but this wasp was distracting me and left me with severe anxiety that he might come over here and ruin my whole day. But anyway, I've noticed bees are massive this year as well. <laughs> yeah. Glad we got there in the end. But yeah, no, yeah. yeah bees are ridiculously huge because uh, everyone's locked inside. Yeah. They're yeah. just like... We've forgotten what bees look like <laughs> and are surprised when we see a bulbous bee come through our window. We've got one hell of an episode lined up for you today, boys and girls. I can promise you that because <clears> this week on 11s, we're putting together a side where we look back at players we forgot were in the championship. I had a lot of fun putting mine together. I'm oh, sure yes, Justin did definitely. too. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We've got squad goals where we have a chat about some of the best and worst squads in the championship's past. I've got a corker of a squad for you this week. I've picked the worst one and it is amazing that we haven't picked <laughs> this one yet because it is, it is top tier Terrible. terrible and then there's also the Craig Bryson pub quiz as well to wrap up the show but we'll start off with some news and we're starting off with a tribute because Leeds legend Norman Hunter has died at the age of 76 after testing positive for coronavirus there aren't many Leeds players who are better than him really he was one of the first names you think of when you talk about that classic dominant Leeds side from the 60s and 70s he had a reputation for being a tough tackler a bit dirty but that shouldn't disguise how good a player he was, Justin. No, definitely. I think one of the, the first videos I always, I was shown as a, a Derby fan from my dad is that fight between him and Fran, Franny Lee <laughs> uh, in the mid-70s. And I think that just epitomised, one, the rivalry between the clubs at that point, and two, like, just the competitiveness uh, um, of the of the player. You know, he's a legend uh, at Leeds United and, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I've never seen him play, but he was... <laughs> Um, by all accounts, uh, an unbelievably good player, and it'll be—it's uh, a dark day, obviously, because it, we've had quite a few famous names lose their lives to the coronavirus recently, and he might be the fa- most famous of all, especially in the football world at the moment. So, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Norman Hunter, his family, and of course everyone at Leeds United. So, let's move on to the coronavirus because it is still very much a thing at the moment. We'll start off with this story that kind of ties into what we were talking about for the past few weeks, Justin. Former CEO of the FA, Mark Palios, says a double-figure number of English football league clubs could go into insolvency because of coronavirus. That's from an interview with BBC Radio 4. Kind of touched on what we were talking about last week, where there were warnings earlier in the season that a big-name championship club could go out of business. But Mark Palios here is saying that there could be a double-figure number of clubs, not necessarily in the championship, that disappear. Yeah, and it's it, it is a massive worry. Um, you know, every every day and week that goes past, I think most fans that have clubs that have 
either previously had financial issues or are having financial issues or you know you rely on ticket revenue for you know your majority of your income you're looking over your shoulder and checking the news with anxiety at times just because you have no idea whether your club's going to go go under or not and that is a massive worry i mean as a football fan when football comes back around again at some point you just hope that you've got a football club to, to go back and, to, uh, and support. And uh, again, I hope that there are contingencies in place um, from the leagues that help support these clubs that are struggling financially. Yeah, well, the plenty is being done behind the scenes at the moment to try and uh, solve the or try and ease the financial burden that clubs are under. Wigan players and staff have agreed to defer part of their wages, as has Reading manager Mark Bowen and some of the senior staff there. The EFL is planning to stream every remaining game live once the season restarts. That's from a letter by chairman Rick Parry. It's not particularly surprising if all the games are being played behind closed doors, is it? Because we need to see the games somehow. Uh, But I'm interested to know how they're going to do it. Are they going to charge people extra? Is it going to be on the Sky Sports red button? Yeah, it's a a strange one. Obviously, they'll they'll work out somehow. I mean, as a season ticket holder myself, you know, do I then qualify for the live games at home for for Derby, for example? You know, they... You just don't know, and obviously, season tickets been renewed for next season. Again, how's that going to work out? There's a lot of uncertainty still, but uh, the, the one thing we do know is the most likely scenario is football clubs going to be uh, football's going to be played behind closed doors and on the on the TV, which is an absolute must. Um, I think that's not something I considered actually with season tickets. I presume there'd be some sort of compensation or some sort of discount for next season. I don't know. I hadn't really uh, thought about that. Um, moving on, this kind of ties into what we were just talking about. According to The Telegraph, the EFL is considering staging all its remaining matches this season at just 10 championship stadiums. That's across the whole football league. Uh, there would be also be multiple games at the same stadium each day, which sounds like a groundsman's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting to see. It's interesting to know how that works, because I imagine the reason they're doing that is so... They don't have to have, you know, cameras and everything at, ve- at every single ground across the yeah, league. Yeah, you, and instead you it reduce be, the spread, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And whether it would be a ground for each area, every, each region, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that that logically makes sense. Um, well, how feasible it is, no idea. How are clubs going to make sure players aren't um, gallivanting off? You know, we've seen... Some players recently, Jack Grealish, Kyle Walker, who have um, ignored the the not the rules but the the guidelines and done their own thing. So how do you limit that? So players aren't still doing it. You know, there's there's so many hurdles to to cross before we even get to the point where we consider football being back. Well, I'm just looking ahead to it, Justin, because I'm excited for <laughs> it to be back. But the other thing is as well. I, Championship stadiums, whatever ten they are, I suppose it doesn't really matter what size they are because there aren't going to be any fans there. So, <laughs> really, you could just play at any ground, really, let alone championship stadiums. As long as one of those grounds isn't Bristol City, because I hate the camera angle at Ashton Gate, then <laughs> yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, stick them up the Telegraph, and they're reporting managers across the football league are being warned that their playing budgets for the next season will be heavily slashed as clubs count the cost of the coronavirus crisis. Some clubs are looking at having at least half their playing budget gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, again, logically, it makes sense why, you know, clubs, are, the income stopped, you know, TV revenue, TV revenue stopped. You, you, you're going back about 10, 15 years in terms of having to work with transfers because, you know, you've got nothing to spend. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because it seems like this moment here could have a financial impact on so many clubs for years to come. In fact, pretty much every club outside of the Premier League, maybe, is ever, they're all going to feel the impact of what is happening right now. Uh, the Daily Mail says championship clubs are pushing increasingly hard for the introduction of a permanent salary cap to ease the financial burden on clubs. This was something that we've spoken about before mm-hmm. the coronavirus crisis, but now with everything that's going on, 
it seems like there's even more precedent for this to come in. Again, it's it's a, it's a, it's such a hard thing to put into football. You know, you've got players coming down from the Premier League with with teams that are relegated. How how are you going to get their salaries down to? I think it was what did it, it was six grand a week. That was the yeah, maximum, that wasn't that was it? the figure that was being talked about, which seems extremely low, considering the jump in wages <coughs> to the Premier League at the well, moment. Yeah, exactly. Surely clubs will struggle to, you know, adjust to paying the players that much. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, as you say, if a player comes down from the Premier League and they're on fifty grand a week or whatever, they're not going to accept six grand a week, are they? So are they exactly. just going to sit on the sidelines and just not play, or will they have to take a, will just be uh, given some sort of compensation and leave the club? I don't know. Well, at that point, th- th- this is when I think people will try and start to. Uh skirt around the rules a little bit you'll get like a whether coaching staff are considering that you'll get like a 18 year old Jude Bellingham who's on 40 grand a week but he's a player coach because it doesn't count toward a a salary cap you know I think that if that does happen then people uh, clubs will try and get around it somehow it's the normal thing in the championship but you do hope that this is a watershed moment for football clubs in general that the finances they've been putting out on fees agent fees and salaries has been way too much Way too much, and you hope now it's just starting to people, you know, clubs are starting to realise they spent too much money. Yeah, I think I agree that will be the case. I just struggled to see how a salary cap would work because when we spoke about it before, it was a certain, it wasn't an individual player basis, so it wasn't like six grand a week is the match you can pay a player. It was, I'm picking a number off the top of my head here, which might be completely wrong, a quarter of a million a year. Is or a week or whatever is the most you can pay your players, and that seemed to make a lot more sense as opposed to six grand a week. Is that by the same time the yeah. figure that we spoke about before? Only six clubs were below that margin already. So, um, and the final bit of news Preston goalkeeper Declan Rudd has signed a new three year contract. Very weird timing on that when everyone's talking about players having their wages deferred this news comes out of nowhere but I mean well done to Declan Wood I suppose I tell you what would be coming back at the moment would be fax machines fax machines any shares in fax machines power your money in because that's 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 financially it's the place to go I'm not sure I'm going to take that financial advice, but I'll keep it in mind. It's time for the 11s, ladies and gentlemen. As mentioned at the start of the episode, we're picking a team of players we forgot played in the championship. Obscurity. I managed to stop myself from making any jokes along the lines of picking players who are in the championship right now, but never play, like Jean-Kevin Augustin or someone like that. Instead, we've gone for players of the past. I've avoided lone players as well. Oh, I haven't. I definitely haven't. I've gone for players who made a loan to the championship early in their career or players who are at like the, the end of their career and had a random, you know, season at somewhere. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, mine. I could, have picked, crack on. I could have gone for the whole QPR team from the 2013-14 season really, yeah. because <laughs> there were so many big names in that I, side who only I've played got, a handful yeah. of games. I've got a couple in there and literally one of the lines I've put is this player played for QPR this season? Who didn't? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I did have a few players from that side, but I'm, I've managed to get rid of them all in the end. Um, so let's start off in goal, Justin. This is one of my favourites because I was initially struggling with goalkeeper, but I've managed to find someone whose spell in the championship completely passed me by. I do remember them playing in the championship, but it wasn't until I saw this spell that I remembered it I've gone for David James where he had a well he did initially play with West Ham in the championship we're talking like early millennium time but then he had two seasons at Bristol City which I completely forgot about he was their number one for two solid seasons in 2010 to 2012 and we're talking about a legendary keeper but he was coming to the end of his time by that point he was 40 wasn't he Oh, yeah. 
And yeah. it's worth pointing out as well, he went to Bournemouth the season afterwards before <laughs> having uh, spells in Iceland and India. And I think that just shows that at that point he just didn't care where he played. But, I mean, David James, pretty big name, really, playing in the Championship. OK, can I raise you then? Go on. OK, so the man I've picked was the scourge of England in the 2000s. Is it uh, Ricardo? It is Ricardo. <laughs> is that for Leicester? Yeah, you played eight games for Leicester in the in, in 2011. Yeah, you've taught me there. I'm not going to deny that. He was a quality goalkeeper who obviously had his reputation for saving penalties because mm-hmm. he was England's nightmare. But, he knocked us out of two tournaments. But he was a decent keeper as well. I mean, he was Portugal's number one for many years, wasn't he? 79 caps for Portugal. How many games did he play for Leicester? Eight. Eight games, yeah. Wow. He, he was then released at the end of that season. Um, but, yeah. That, when was that, that? What year? When he, when he played for Leicester? Mm. Uh, 2011. Right, OK. So it was after, after his career had its Pretty much, yeah. Of, yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, I'm reading his Wikipedia, um, he made a few mistakes that almost like got him out of the national side and then his career sort of went a downward, down a downward spiral from there. Yeah. But they got Casper Schmeichel soon afterwards, so I don't think Leicester will come to too much. Yeah. yeah. Honourable mentions, Julio Cesar from that QPR, QPR side. He didn't play for QPR in that season, okay. yeah. but he was still at the club. I mm. think he went on loan halfway through the season. He spent, I, th- I think he spent like half the season just sat at the background, not doing anything. And the mm. other one's Hirelio Gomez, who was of with course. Watford. Almunia as well. Yeah, and, and Almunia, I also had him. They were both, well, Gomez moved to Watford when, when they were in the Championship, which, which mm. was a bit of a surprising move, really, because Gomez has been a quality keeper for numerous years now. And yeah. So uh, they were my two honourable mentions. Let's go to right back, Justin. Uh, I have got... Actually, who have you got first? I'll let you go first. Um, so I'll tell you who I went with first before replacing them. Okay. I went with Julian Forbear first. Okay. Uh, obviously very well known for a very uninspiring spell at West Ham. Yep. Finished his career at, Kel- at Kilmarnock and obviously had a lone spell at Real Madrid. But I've gone for a left foot... I've gone for a left back at right back. I've cheated a little bit. Wait, so did Forbear play for West Ham? In the yeah, he played 26 right. games in the Championship. That's a decent um, amount. Yeah, but I just I didn't I didn't fancy him. Okay. I didn't fancy him. I've gone with Leighton Baines. No, I'm not having that. People don't forget Leighton Baines was a solid player for Wigan. I presume it was for Wigan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't have a random spell somewhere that I've completely forgot about. No, but you forget about it because of how good he's been at Everton and obviously England. No, I'm not having that. Baines was an integral part of that Wigan side that got promoted. That legendary Wigan side, and he is not forgotten in my mind whatsoever. It's not forgotten. It's just players you forget played in the championship. I know you forget I mean, he played in the championship. I know he's it's, it's gone on over to, sixteen years ago. I know he's gone on to outshine himself and gone on to greater things. But I, I you can't put down that as forgotten. Either way, it's weird to think how Baines went from being a quality player in that Wigan side and then going on to being better than Ashley Cole at one point, didn't he? Uh, debates there but he had one season in the championship and then that was it he, he played a few games in the 03-04 full season 04-05 and then they got promoted and then he, he broke out from there yeah well my right back is an actual right back did not realise this happened until this morning uh, Seamus Colburn he had nine appearances Blackpool. for Blackpool in the 2009-10 yeah. season while on loan from Everton I remember him having quite a meteoric rise in the early stages of his career at Everton because he went from playing league football in Ireland to mm-hmm. Premier League in the space of two seasons. But then halfway in between, he had a spell at Blackpool that I just completely passed me by. He actually yeah. played in the playoff final as well <coughs> and got promoted with them. So fair play to him. It was clearly a springboard onto bigger things. Honourable mention. I haven't done one for every position, by the way. Uh, Honourable mention. Pascal Chimbonda which we spoke about not too Doncaster. long ago. Yeah, 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 playing for Doncaster in that season where they signed loads of random free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well done to Seamus Coleman. Let's go to centre-back, Justin. You and me, we were talking just before the episode, we both struggled to pick centre-backs, mm-hmm. which is weird. But I have actually gone for two players who aren't centre-backs whatsoever. 
Well, I, I, I have. Right, who's your... You've gone for one centre-back and one who's a utility centre-back, haven't you? Yes. Okay, who's your actual centre-back? Tell Ben Haim. Okay, I'll give you that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he played 67 games in the Championship. When did he do that? Did he play for Charlton? He did. Okay, I remember that. Did he play for someone else? Yes. Go on. Portsmouth. Okay. He came down with Portsmouth. Yeah, he came down with Portsmouth and he sued the Portsmouth owners. Well, this is when they were in the highest financial yeah. trouble they could have been in, and he sued him because of unpaid wages. Fair enough, you know. Yeah, that but was, yeah, that was part of that Portsmouth team where there were so many big names just hanging around, and mm-hmm. they were they were just you know soaking up their wages and not Pretty really much. well. They were much getting paid. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll give you my two centre-backs who aren't centre-backs one is Edgar Davids who you might have oh. in midfield have you got him in, in midfield? I have yeah you can't okay. have him as centre-back I have him as centre-back because there are such an abundance of midfielders centre midfielders that I could find and I didn't want to leave any of them out so I had to put Edgar Davids at centre-back but this we'll talk about him now uh, he's obviously a Dutch legend playing for mm-hmm. the likes of Ajax, Juventus, Barcelona. Uh, oh. Played six games for Crystal Palace in 2010. Uh, 11 season. And this is, without a doubt, one of my favourite things to have ever happen in football because there are so many juicy bits surrounding this move. Uh, so prior to joining Palace, he'd been without a club for two years and he was also 37. So it's fair to say he was probably a bit rusty. But he joined <laughs> on a pay-as-you-play deal which I'm surprised doesn't happen more often, really. Um, But anyway, it meant that Davids would have to really make sure his fitness was up to scratch if he wanted to get paid. Anyway, he played six games all season before leaving the club in November after three months. And my favourite bit is that afterwards, he was quoted as saying, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. This is a man who's won the Champions League with Ajax. (laughs) He's played for Juventus. Played for Holland at the World Cup. Into Milan. And he was on the cover of FIFA 03. <laughs> but that's, that three-month spell at Crystal Palace tops them all. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, quick shout-out as well for his spell as player manager at Barnet a couple of years later. He gave himself the shirt number one. And, <laughs> <laughs> and in his final spell in charge, he played eight games. He got booked in every single game and was sent off three times. <laughs> oh... Okay. I love it. I love it. Anyway, we'll go on to my other centre back before we get on to yours. Um mine isn't a centre back, as I've probably stated. But he is a world renowned football star and he's also a part time singer. Um he had a short spell at Doncaster in the twenty thirteen fourteen season when they were in the championship. It's Louis Tomlinson. Oh for <laughs> God's sake. He's... <laughs> Basically, they signed him on a non-contract deal. It's the guy from One Direction, if, you, if you're not very up-to-date with uh, pop music. Uh, they signed him on a non-contract deal so he could play in reserve games and was even given a shirt number. Um, but he didn't actually play a senior game for Doncaster, unfortunately, but I would have loved it if he did. Oh, it would have been so good. Uh, but he was mainly there to play reserve games. I don't know if he actually did play any reserve games, but it was ultimately a publicity stunt and how much they benefited from it, I don't really know. Because, if anything, it makes you look a bit of a tit, really, doesn't it? But Louis mm. Tomlinson, Doncaster. Bit of a parody club, Doncaster, in that couple of years spell, weren't they? They really did not give a shit at that point. <laughs> <laughs> who's your other centre-back, Justin? Who's not? Well, I've gone for a real player. Okay. Uh, he's an FM legend in my books. Okay. A football manager legend. Uh, and one's very highly rated. I've gone with Gail Givet. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I... He, he was a centre-back, wasn't he? He's centre-back left-back, yeah. Yeah. See, he was a very tidy player because Blackburn signed him for a few million pounds when they were in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And then, what, did he spend a season with them? The season He after? was there for about four or five years. I've not got the page. I'm not opened it up. But yeah, he was there for about four or five years. Um, he played 16 games for them in the Championship in the 2012-2013 season. So the season they, um, after they came down... But, yeah, it was a great play. It was in the France squad that got to the World Cup final in 2006. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a very tidy player mm-hmm. in his prime. Yeah, Monaco, Marseille, just to name a couple of the teams he played for. And 
yeah, a, a, a very good player, and I think he ended up falling out with Steve Keane, unfortunately. Who, I mean, who hasn't? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, my memories of um, Jive were just one word, shithouse. Big beard. <laughs> Big beard and shithouse. Uh, mm-hmm. Left back, I feel like we might have the same left back here, Justin. I think we well, do. Actually, no, you've gone... You've got no known players, have you? No known players, no. Right, okay, mine was a lone player. Who have you got? Marcus Alonso. Okay, I haven't, but I regret not picking Marcus Alonso. <laughs> Is that with Bolton? Bolton, yeah. Yeah. yeah 26 times for him. Scored four goals, and then he moved on to Fiorentina. Yeah, was he permanent Chelsea. there? Yeah. Wow. I, I remember people saying that Marcus Alonso's had a bit of a weird career because he went from... Bolton to winning the Premier League with Chelsea in a matter of seasons but I didn't realise Bolton were in the Championship at the time I thought they were still in the Premier League yeah that's that's a loan spell at Sunderland in between as well where, was Sunderland in the Premier League at the time yeah then in the 2013-14 season he was on loan at Sunderland um, from Fiorentina a, a really weird career yeah I, I think he was relatively old by that point as well like we're talking 23 or so I might be completely wrong but off the top of my head, I think he was like still 23, getting towards like the prime of his career. So yeah, very weird career for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair play to him because he's clearly made a decent career out of it. Uh, my left back's Ben Chilwell. Uh, so he is now quite easily England's best left back by quite a distance. But mm-hmm. he made eight appearances for Huddersfield in the 2015-16 season when he was just 19. Uh, not too much to really comment on, really, because Huddersfield would get promoted the season afterwards. But in this season, when Chilwell was gracing them at left back, he, they finished nineteenth. So it seems like Chile didn't really pick up, uh, pull up many Chile. trees. Um, <laughs> I wonder if any Huddersfield's fans at the time thought he would go on to regularly play in the Premier League. But now he's I one think... of the best left backs in the world. So well, I think most most clubs have a lone player where you think this guy's never gonna do anything mm. I think um, Derby had Peter Whittingham he, he played left back for Derby and he, and he literally had no idea he was going to be become the player he was at Cardiff yeah. perhaps because we were playing him left back yeah I, uh, every player every player's got to start off somewhere and get those games yeah. the ultimate night. and loan spells are usually the way to do it you just forget that some of these players have made these moves sometimes uh, honourable mention Danny Rose he was see I can't be the only person who thought Danny Peter. Rose hang on I'll get it up in a sec I can't be the only person who thought Danny Rose started his career at Spurs but he actually started off at Leeds I think Spurs paid a million pounds for him yeah he didn't actually play in the championship for Leeds though but he had loan spells afterwards after joining Spurs at Watford and Peterborough and Bristol City so quite a few clubs oh, under his belt course, yeah. okay. but I, they just completely passed me by I thought mm. he was just one of those kind of Premier League players who started off young in the Premier <coughs> League and then just went from there really uh, let's go to midfield then you've got three centre midfielders haven't you I've got two centre midfielders one of them is Edgar Davids yeah because he's, he's a he's a centre midfielder yeah <laughs> right my first centre mid is Danny Pareo who <laughs> is a Valencia legend he's still going strong today at the heart of their midfield uh, but he had a loan spell at QPR in 2008. He made 18 appearances, playing alongside the likes of Gavin Marn and Martin Rowlands. And playing alongside them, I'm sure, turned him into the player that he is today. Uh, he got recalled halfway through that season, though, because there was an injury crisis at Real Madrid, who was on loan from at the time. But that kind of shows just how good a player he was and what a coup that was, a coup, sorry, that was for QPR at the time, because they finished 11th that season. So they must have been they must have struggled to make the most of having a player of that quality there. Yeah, they signed quite a few players that season. I think it was the season they had um, Flavio Briatore as one of the owners, mm. the, uh, the F1 guy. Um, and there was, a doc- there, was a, there was a documentary, actually, on it. What, on QPR? And, yeah, yeah it's, it's quite interesting. It, it is, again, a crazy documentary, um, but it's worth watching. I'll try and find it right now. I think it's called The Five-Year Plan. Ooh. Who is your other sentiment, Justin? Papa Booba Diop. Okay, that one doesn't surprise me, but go on, tell me a bit more. Um, so, if like me, you grew up watching football throughout the 2000s, 
then you'll have an affection for Papa Boubidiot. Let's be honest. I mean, who doesn't? You, ma- you made his name at Fulham, obviously part of the Senegal squad that was at the World Cup in 2002 that did really well. Um, and for me, he's a, he's a cult favourite footballer. Um, however, he, I suppose in the Championship, we're with West Ham and Birmingham City. Okay. I knew we played for West Ham. Birmingham, I have a vague recollection of. So he only played 16 times for West Ham. Okay. And he only played twice for Birmingham City. <laughs> That's why I don't remember it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he's, he's obviously mostly associated with Fulham, isn't he? Where he must have made at least 100 appearances or so. But he was a man mountain of a player. And I like just, you, I... I share that love for Papa Boubidio. Mm. Right, we'll go to my other centre mid, who is also a loney. That's Ross Barkley, who had spells with not only Sheffield Wednesday, but Leeds. Now, Ross Barkley kind of fits into the Danny Rose category of players who I assumed started off in the Premier League quite young and then went on to just become, you know, first names and never really dropped down to the championship. But he did, albeit he didn't really spent too long there he made 13 appearances for Chef Wednesday and only four for Leeds I vaguely remember him doing quite well at Chef Wednesday Leeds not as much because that one completely passed me by but <laughs> I mean Ross Barkley did you do you remember his spells in the championship I remember him at Sheffield Wednesday it was that time where three month loans were still a thing oh. and will probably become a thing again hopefully and now there's <laughs> Uh, yeah, uncertainty with football but yeah I, I remember him at Sheffield Wednesday and I vaguely remember him going to Leeds under Neil Warnock but obviously didn't pull up any trees no not particularly uh, let's go <coughs> to our attacking midfielders mine is uh, pretty much in the attacking midfield even though I've gone for the three, uh, four three three. my centre or attacking midfielder is Yildirey Bashturk now you might not have heard of Yildirey Bashturk but he's a bit of a Turkish legend because he's got 48 caps for the national team and played in the World Cup semi-finals in 2002. And in that same year, he played in the Champions League final with Bayer Leverkusen. He had a brilliant career playing over 300 games in Germany. And he's probably a bigger name over there than he is here. But he signed for Blackburn in January 2010 at the age of 31. Um, he played his first game three months after joining... And played a grand total of 45 minutes before never playing a game of football again. But <laughs> I just found this story remarkable. Because when players sometimes do this, they might play a game early on in the career. And then just drift out after falling out with management or something. But for a player to sign and then be sat on the sidelines for just three months before playing 45 minutes a game, half a game of football. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it is a strange one. I, it, it do, it's not a name that screams out to me, but am I right in saying you're obsessed with this guy? No. I'm you FIFA? Are, no, right. You're thinking of... Right, we're going off on a bit of tangent here. You're thinking of Ugar Yildirim. Yeah, yeah, who, so pieces, yeah. Yeah, so the reason I was obsessed with him was because he won a free kick competition in the 2000s, featuring the likes of Zidane... Totti, <laughs> Perlo, I think, and he won it. So I was obsessed with this guy, and he he did play for Holland as well. But then he like drifted off into obscurity. Um, but I can understand the uh, the confusion there, Justin. Who's your attacking midfielder? Yossi Benayoun. I have got Yossi Benayoun down as an honourable mention because he was part of that QPR side yep. where every single bugger on earth played for them. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. For me, he's, he's, a, he's an underrated legend in my eyes. Yeah, I'd agree with he that. He was an outstanding player. Um, he was a quality playmaker and in his peak, you know, he played for three big clubs in the Premier League. Yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal and obviously he played for West Ham which is probably where he played his best football. Yeah. Can't be um, too many clubs actually who, too many players, sorry, who have played for Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. Three hmm. different big six clubs. Yeah, definitely, and he was he was much better at Liverpool than he was Chelsea and Arsenal. But that just tells you how reliable he was, and you know, it looked very much like really really skinny, didn't look like a footballer, um, but my God, could he play? Um, and he played sixteen times for that QPR side in the uh, thirteen fourteen season that won promotion. Yeah, did he play in the playoff final? I'm just checking. I don't think now. he did. I don't think no, he, did. he wasn't even in the squad. But they they had so many big names floating around yeah. there that it's 
weird really that they didn't go up automatically. Uh, honorable mention also played in that QPR side, Nico Crankjar, yep. who had a short spell with a QPR. Un- unsurprisingly, under Harry Redknapp. <laughs> right wing, Justin, who have you got? Um, so I've got Norberto Solano. Okay, <laughs> I love Nobby Solano. Who did he, he play for? He played for Leicester and wow. Hull. Okay, that's passed me by. Obviously, yes. you associated with West Ham and Newcastle. Completely mm-hmm. forgot he played for those two. Yep. Uh, so the trumpet man play. It uh, was thirty-five when he joined Leicester in two thousand ten. Okay. He played. Th- he played thirteen games in a fairly average spell, and he scored in that penalty shootout. Um, you know the young Kermigan Penenka yeah, penalty I, shootout. Now that you mention it, I do vaguely remember him playing uh, for Leicester in that season. Where did mm-hmm. he, who was the other side? Hull. Yeah, he played for Hull. Who I think he might have followed Nigel Pearson to Hull um, and had a short spell there. Oh, but after, that would have after been the, the season after. Spell. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But he was thirty-five at that point, so um, yeah past his best but he had one hell of a free kick on him I'll give him that uh, my right winger who also had one hell of a free kick on him David Bentley of course yeah at one point the hottest property in British football who wasn't playing for a top side uh, that was when he was at Blackburn initially when they are in the Premier League playing in mm-hmm. that classic Blackburn side with the likes of Morton Gantz Pedersen Roque Santa Cruz uh, as everyone knows he made that move to Spurs and ultimately everything went his up um He retired at the age of 29 after he said he lost his passion for football. But just before that, he had loan spells at West Ham and another one where he returned to Blackburn. He only played Mm -hmm. five games for each of them. Uh, He got a bad knee injury not long after going to West Ham. That was when they were in the championship. Um, And he played his last game in football in a Blackburn shirt, which is quite nice, really, because that's when he was probably at his happiest in his career Mm -hmm. and ended his career there as well so well done to David Uh, honourable mention Sean Wright Phillips also part of that QPR side (laughs) so I've included Sean Wright Phillips in mine have you got him left wing as a winger yeah oh right okay Um, but just to touch on it he had two spells in the championship I know he played for QPR who was the other one with Manchester City Oh, of course. That um, was when Man City were a peasant club. <laughs> yes, before before the riches. Um, yeah, he played in the 0-1-0-2 season and he scored eight goals. Um, but that season, I think Sean Goethe got 32. Darren Huckabee got 20-odd goals. That I think they scored 109 goals um, that season. They got promoted on 99 points. But obviously, he also played 16 games for QPR. Mm. But that's probably when he was his career was winding, winding down quite quite rapidly yeah. but like mid-noughties he was amazing oh yeah people forget how good Sean Mark Phillips was he was starting for England at one point once mm-hmm. he was like ahead of Beckham yeah I mean that, that was when Beckham was over in America but still the point remains Sean Mark Phillips was a quality player was playing mm-hmm. quite regularly for Chelsea as well wasn't he uh, let's... I've got a couple of honourable mentions okay go on Martin Petrov don't say one of mine please Martin Petrov. No, Martin. No, I haven't done my left winger yet. You're going to say one of my wingers. All right, you you okay. go then. So my left winger is Irby Emanuelson. Possibly the most uh, forgetful spell yeah. in the championship ever. Sheffield so, Wednesday. Yes. So, yeah. Irby Emanuelson, if you haven't heard of him, was a very solid player at European football level. He played over 170 games for Ajax, and then went on to play for the likes of AC Milan and Roma. But then in 2016, he joined Sheffield Wednesday, where he played a grand total of one game. Uh, He was 30 at the time. He was only 30 at the time. He's still playing over in Holland. But it's a very odd spell because I, for my junior years, I remember Irby Emanuelson as a very, very good player at one point. And the fact Versatile that he, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and the fact that he just turned up one day at Hillsborough is just bizarre to me. Who were the, who were the rest of your honourable mentions? So I said Martin Petrov, yep. Sergei Rebrov. Christ. <laughs> uh, the old Spurs record signing. Yep. Uh, he played, um, I think, about 20 games for West Ham mm. in the Championship. And Royston Drenthe. See, Royston Drenthe was the one I was going to mention, but I tweet about him so much on the second tier <laughs> that, that I feel like I couldn't pick him. Because... I tell you what, he played for Reading and Chef Wednesday, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. He scored some unbelievable <clears> goals, <throat> but he is the epitome of players who would turn up every, like, ten games 
and do something amazing. He was ridiculously quick, I can tell you that. Let's go to striker, Justin. Who is your striker? Um, I couldn't really settle on a striker, um, but I went for one who had an amazing career, one of the most decorated players in English football. Mm. Um, I've gone with Teddy Sheringham. Okay, he played for West Ham? He did, yeah. Yeah. See, that doesn't surprise me too much because at the end of his career, when he was, when he must have been about seventy odd, he was still pitching up for clubs all over the place. Once he didn't he have a spell at Colchester. He did, yeah. Um, but he wasn't. It wasn't just a spare part. He scored twenty goals in the season. They got promoted at thirty-eight. At the age of thirty-eight. I think he scored in the playoff final, didn't he? I. Uh, I can't remember. I thought I, that was Bobby Zamora. I vaguely remember him. Maybe. Uh, but he, de- I definitely remember him playing for West Ham. But as you say, a quality player for way too many decades. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he played. He played in the second division then uh, for Millwall throughout the eighties. Yeah. But I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my striker is Danny Welbeck, who, again, I remember him having a a loan spell here and there but I do not remember him playing for Preston in the 2009-10 season he only played eight games scoring a couple of goals but Danny Welbeck at that point was being tipped for big things and Mm -hmm. it was only let me just work this out the season after that spell at Preston he would go on to play regularly in Premier League with Sunderland and then the season after that he'd go on to play many many games for Manchester United and mm-hmm. at one point was in England starting 11 pretty much every single game mm-hmm. so the, the, this spell at Preston is one of them to, straight over my head uh, honourable mention I think you've got this down as an honourable mention as well Nuno Gomez the yep, Nuno Gomez. Portuguese legend he also joined Blackburn around that time that uh, it was my lad Yudre uh, Basturk was there yes yeah he was very much during the period where Blackburn got relegated and then we're just giving anyone a go that could kick a ball really yeah I've got Robbie Fowler yeah big fan of that that was also a Blackburn no, one Cardiff. no Cardiff no Cardiff and he, and Cardiff. He, was it, did he, he play for Blackburn as well but that might have been in the Premier League I, I don't know. yeah but Cardiff, Cardiff as well yeah. I've got Dion Dublin as well okay Dion Dublin's a good one as well he played he, well, he played two seasons for Leicester and then he played for he went to Celtic then went to Norwich mm. but he played centre half for Norwich I mean why not? You've yeah. got a guy who scored over 100 Premier League goals, stick him at centre off. <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing this, Justin. This is probably the one I, I've I had the most that. fun doing so far, just because it's brought back so many nostalgic moments and talking about things like Edgar Davids. Unbelievable. <laughs> squad goals, Justin. This is the part of the show where me and Justin look back at some of the best and worst squads to have ever graced the Championship. It's Justin's turn this week to pick a best squad. And I have got the worst squad. We'll start with Justin first. Who is the squad you want to talk about this week? Yeah, so for this week, we're going to the seaside. Um, Sunny sunny Blackpool. Okay. Now, you've already mentioned it. All right. Um, But, yeah, Blackpool Town from the 2009-2010 season. See, that side is mostly made up of Charlie Adam, from what I remember. But it was the ultimate underdog side, really, wasn't it? Absolutely. I've got to say, I don't want to disrespect Blackpool Town at all, but they're one of those occasions where you think, how on earth did you get here? Oh, yeah, massively. I, I, you know, fair play to them, but they were a side pieced together from players who were unwanted and getting on a bit, but still had a bit left. There's Gary Taylor Fletcher, Brett Ormerod. <laughs> Brett Ormerod scored a lot of goals for that team. Brett Ormerod was a very good player. Um, what, Ian Everett, as well, we've mentioned before. Um, Matt Jilks in goals uh, Paul Rutrubka yeah. yeah Paul Rutrubka and Matt Jilks played 20 odd games each they didn't have a number one I mean that you're missing out the player <coughs> that I think of apart from Charlie Adam the most when you talk about that Blackpool side and that's DJ, DJ Campbell. Campbell yeah he was phenomenal during that season for Blackpool and this mm. is a player who was very much a journeyman prior to that campaign mm. he just had the best spell of his career out of nowhere. I mean, it's it's probably no co- well, no coincidence. Ian Holloway was obviously the manager again. 
probably unwanted at that point, had a had that bad spell at Leicester that we've mentioned the other week. Um, but obviously the, the team was renowned for its attacking football, high scoring games, and obviously, as I mentioned, players who were put from obscurity. They used 29 players that season, which isn't as much as I thought, but they brought in quite a few on loan. Obviously, you mentioned Charlie Adam, and he got 19 that season. And they beat Cardiff in the playoff final, which was one of the best finals I've seen um, in you the playoffs. You say he got 19? He got 19 goals that season. Charlie Adam got 19 goals? Yeah, 17 oh in the league, God. and then a couple... Nineteen goals for a centre midfielder is ridiculous. Yeah, especially one that's Charlie Adam. No disrespect to him, but he he was never particularly known as the most attacking midfielder on earth, was he? Yeah, but he was he was unplayable that season. Oh yeah, Blackpool. he had probably one of the best seasons, individual seasons that a player has ever had. Well, he did well the next season, obviously. Blackpool tried to put their stamp on the the Premier League. It didn't quite work out. No. Um, they put but a then good fight, lived- didn't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. But obviously Liverpool spent seven million quid on him, so he must have done something wrong. Yeah, he was a very tidy player. Uh, Let's move on to my worst squad. What season was that just in the Blackpool side? Um, 09-10 season. 09-10. Let me take you five years later to talk Mm. about the same Blackpool side. Oh, God. (laughs) This is completely unplanned. (laughs) This has just happened out of nowhere. So I'm going to talk about the 2014-15 Blackpool side where the dream of the Premier League was such a distant memory. They got 26 points, relegated by 20 points, just four wins all season. This was very much the start of Carl Oyston ripping the soul out of Blackpool Football Club. They started off with Jose Riga in charge, who I think Charlton fans have very fond memories of. Uh, But he got sacked two months into the season, and then they appointed Lee Clark. Now... Two warning signs should be going off in your head when you hear this announcement because one, it's Lee Clark, and two, he was given a one-year rolling contract, which I don't think has ever worked at any stage in football, with maybe the exception of Lee Bowyer, but that's probably an unintentional one-year rolling contract. Uh, can you guess how many players Blackpool used in this season? Um, <laughs> I remember it. a fair bit of that team. Um, I'm going to say 35. They used, get this, 50 players across <laughs> the course of the championship season. What the hell? They only had three players who made more than 30 appearances. The players they used across this season just scream very average. And many of them you can easily label as journeymen. Some of these, Justin, are just spectacular. Listen to this. Chris Eagles, Darren O'Dea, Andrea Orlandi, Ishmael Miller, Jamie O'Hara... Now Ranger, which should really set off another warning siren. Uh, Thomas Sifka, Nairon Nosworthy. Nairon Nosworthy. So many bang average championship players who were just floating around at the time and Blackpool thought, yeah, we'll give that a go and see if that works. I'll tell you what, though. They did have a few decent players in there who are good championship players now. I'm talking about the likes of Tom Barkazen, Brightesay Samuel... Joe Rothwell, Grant Hall, and John Lundstrom, who is now playing in the Premier League, regularly for Sheffield United, fantasy football god. All of them, there's so many players playing for Blackpool in that season. It is amazing. And it's the kind of thing that squad goals was made for, highlighting spectacular (laughs) messes. I I forgot how bad it was. Winning four games all season. Yeah. There was oh not much to cheer about. I don't think there were many Blackpool fans going to games at that point. I think it was very much the the part where they had enough of Carl Oyston and that yeah. story's been told for the last five seasons. I mean, now. It, it, is worth it. it is worth pointing out that they would not have been in that position had it not been for Carl Oyston ripping that club apart. Oh yeah, he is a horrible, horrible man. Also, maybe because of the comments he made to certain Blackpool fans. If you want to have a look at that, just have a little Google for it. Right, Craig Brasson Pub Quiz time, Justin. It's that part of the show where I have a mystery championship footballer. All Justin has to do is try and guess who it is from the six clues I'm going to give him. This player will have made a minimum of 200 championship appearances and we've played in the championship relatively recently right Justin your first clue is this I've made 202 championship appearances scoring 22 goals oh it's a 1 in 10 ratio just about yeah good maths if, if my maths was correct Um, yeah, I'd say a defender 
possibly a right back. I'll go with George Friend. What fullbacks score one in ten games? That's a good point. It's not. And he's made a lot more. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not George that. Friend, and it's not a fullback. I'll give you that. Uh, I moved to England in two thousand and four from Norway. From Norway, Norway. Uh, so you presume he was Norwegian, but you've not. You've not told me that. There's no way you're going to get this one. <laughs> um, I, 2004. I, I appreciated your pity laugh there. At that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot with you. Um, ah, next clue, that's tricky. The clubs I play for at Championship level include Sheffield Wednesday, Cardiff and Hull, but I've also played 135 games for another club where I'm now in charge of loan players. Say Olofinjana. Yes. <laughs> How? How did you get that from that? I I know two loan managers. Um, one of them's the guy at Chelsea. You got it from that? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. One of them's the guy at Chelsea and the other one is Olofinjana at For Wolves. For God's sake. <laughs> the most minor... Cl- dis- <laughs> The most minor clue on earth. Can you get it from that? Unbelievable. It was the, I, I, very unremarkable spells at Cardiff. Um, but obviously more known, well known for his time at Wolves. I've also played 37 games in the Premier League. I'm probably one of the cleverest players ever because I've got a master's degree in chemical engineering. And I've no. got 48 caps for Nigeria. But yeah, you're right. He is more well known for his time at Wolves. Also had a spell at Stoke in the Premier League. Um, probably part of that Tony Pulis side. Yeah, he got uh, the. I think he's someone spent three million pounds on him twice. So he was a very good player. Three million pounds back in those days was a lot of money. So well I think he just hit. I, I think he just hit the criteria of being over six foot three. <laughs> the criteria to be in the Tony Pulis size. Yeah, six foot six foot three, and massive shit house. That's all yeah. you need, really. Well, he was a good player. He was oh. a very good player. Thank you for listening to the Second Tier Podcast. It's been a great episode. I've enjoyed this a lot. Going back and talking about these players, it's put a massive smile on your face. It's put a massive <laughs> smile on my face. And that's what we're all here for, damn it, in these tiring and disturbing times. Disturbing. <laughs> I'm going to go with disturbing. Oh. Is the first word that came to my head. Right. Thank you for listening. As always, if you could help us out online, that would be fantastic. Tell your friends about us. Give us a little tweet here and there saying how good we are. Give us a review on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated, and it helps us a lot. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.